a long-term contract. Like I, I could easily oh see God. them getting into the same situation. Um, and I all would, it will if take. If I were them, I'd hand him a contract to play in defensive midfield. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the only contract I'd be giving him. <laughs> What's up, everyone? It's Hardcore Football. I'm your host, Phil Baki, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, how, uh, how's, your, how's your Sunday? Good, it's good. Um, sacking season continues. I think that's why we're here tonight. But uh, <laughs> the international break is also finally over, so that was nice to get to take in all the, the club games once again. And I think that's it for the year. It as is. As far as international break, so... Yeah, I feel I feel whole again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I guess Afcon's the only thing that's still kind of hanging out there from an international um, perspective. Although I know True. it's it might be up in the air. I don't know, um, but yeah, Afcon's especially you know for a Liverpool supporter such as myself, uh, Afcon is not <laughs> not ideal uh, when it happens during the middle of the season but um but anyways yeah uh welcome everyone to to hardcore football um if you haven't found us before um we hope you enjoy the show and uh if you do you can follow like subscribe to our podcast on any number of platforms um any of the major ones certainly um and you can find us on twitter at hxc football um Along with that, uh, we have some um, merch that has been going out. And uh, Mika, you've been you've been uh, I know distributing stickers to uh, to those who have requested them. Um, and yeah. uh, do we have do we have any left? Or you know what? I'm fresh out. I'll see if uh, nice. That's actually yeah, awesome. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone <laughs> claimed them right up. So thank you to all of you. And I, I'm loving seeing the pictures of you guys receiving them. Um, because anytime I put something in the mail, I'm like, who knows what's going to happen this thing now. <laughs> so I'm glad it's getting to you all. But yeah, if if more people show interest, then I'll probably order another round. Maybe uh, make them holographic or something fun. I don't know. But yeah, those all went out. And thank you all very much. Yeah, I'm uh I am super excited to see each of them. I actually got um I got mine as well. Um the the new the new version, so the season 2 purple edition of the logo and our pride version of the logo um mm-hmm. in uh in those stickers. So, if you want to see more, hit us up on Twitter and drive that demand signal up and we'll we'll get more stickers and get them out to everybody, but um but yeah, aside from that, um, I think that pretty much covers the admin. Um, the, I mean, there's no easy way to to kick off the the actual discussion today. But Mika, you said, as you said, sacking season continues. We've covered a bunch of managerial changes, like the last two episodes, um, and uh, that continues with. With Ole Gunnar Solskjaer out at Manchester United, um, 
confirmed now by the club uh, as of this morning. I think everybody knew after the result yesterday that it seemed like action was going to be taken, emergency board meeting and all these things called. But um, yeah, Ali is out. And what do you make of the actual decision to remove him? And then I guess we'll get into some of the other stuff about United because it, it plays into it. But um, yeah, where where do you stand on on this whole decision by by United? Yeah, I think it was coming for sure. Um, not just because of Watford, not just because of City, not just because of Liverpool. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's been in the making for quite some time now. Um, look, I'll, I never really thought Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was qualified to do the job. I mean, his previous managerial positions have been at Molda. You know, no disrespect to them. They're big in, in their country, but and Cardiff City, where he didn't really set the world alight. Uh, you know, in the past, I have um, given him credit for, for you know, setting the team up in, like, a counterattacking style and, and getting big results, um, especially in the Champions League, where really he convinced the United board that he deserved a three-year contract. Um, but, you know, big picture, this was just a step too far for him. I do understand the rationale if you will despite his inexperience relatively to to your Contes and your Pochettinos and and people like that um because the dressing room was totally poisoned post Mourinho and I can totally Mm -hmm. see the the rationale of wanting to bring in a club legend someone who's just genuinely a good guy uh to get the the players back on side and to be fair to him if that was his only remit he did that he did that um and you know while finishing respectively i mean last season they finished second granted 19 points behind city but yeah you know best of the rest so um you know the the underlying stats will tell you that it's not because they were playing brilliant football necessarily but either way you know they they did finish second and uh you know made it to a europa league final embarrassingly were you know beaten a couple quarterfinals i think in the champions league um so you know he walks away having won nothing, which um, with the outlay that's been spent on these players, both in transfer fees and in wages, Manchester United really should be challenging for trophies. And yeah, I, I'm not surprised that he's gone. I'm, I'm a little surprised it took this long. Yeah. But, it, you know, after after the twatting <laughs> at Vicarage, <laughs> Vicarage Road, I, I you know, his position definitely became untenable. Um, you know, and it's just been a shocking run out of results for him five losses i think in seven premier league games yeah. one win against spurs three nil which that's that's another topic i suppose that was the doomed uh nuno version of spurs so yeah um yeah i mean I, yeah i think he did what what he came in to do which was you know put the club back right again make make people happy and all that but tactically and and experience wise he just never was good enough and it's sad because he see he does seem like a really nice guy to be yeah. fair. Like uh, watching that interview of him and all that was like brutal. Like I'm not a Manchester United fan by any means, but like just as a human being, like you could tell the job definitely beat him down. And yeah, um, yeah, it's really sad to see, but it's a decision that I think they had to make with you know the football club in mind and not just their balance sheets, if you will. Do you do you think that the dressing room is? in a decent place right now because the vibe that I was getting off of that, that Watford loss 
especially, I mean, the moment, the moment that really like sealed it for me, I guess, in terms of like, does he actually have the dressing room is when Harry Maguire was sent off. Like Mm. the mistake being made by the captain is one thing. Like, I mean, it happens, right? Like things happen in football matches and decisions get made. And, you know, in this case, Harry Maguire dallies on the ball, all the stuff, but he scythes down. (laughs) Who was it? Dennis, I think who was like going to be through on goal, like a, a tackle that easily could have been a straight red if he wasn't already on a yellow. Um, mm. like just because of how rash his follow through is plus, you know, denial of a goal scoring opportunity, etc. The way he like ripped the art, like he kind of rips, his, he had his like tape on his arm or whatever. And he kind of like ripped that off along with the armband and just kind of like, he was, he seemed like very like done, I guess, which obviously frustrating day out for a professional. I get it. Um, the vibe seemed the vibe seemed weird though. It seemed yeah. it seemed like everybody was just I don't know, there was like resignation combined with like I don't know. It was just very strange from the players and it and it I don't know that like is is the dressing room in a good place right now for for the interim. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's fair to bring it up. I think yeah, it should qualify what I said with the fact that it's probably dipped a little bit in happiness if you will. Sure. Um given recent results um in harry Maguire's case he should be mad at himself he's been a liability all season long um his off-field issues uh his attitude his application everything about it is just not good enough if i were manchester united fan i'd be furious um with with his displays recently and and you know you can argue whether he was throwing the captain's armband or whatever. Like, all, you know, yeah. those are all symbolic things. But the, the fact of the matter is he's been shocking on the pitch. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's got, you know, I think I, I think Solskjaer was always going to go. But if you want to point to any of the players who may maybe have blood on their hands, he's definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I doubt that it's a very happy place right now. A um, lot of star power in, in that locker room that's just – I don't know. They're just they're just like a bunch of stars. Like they're not a team at the moment. Yeah. Um and that's not to say that they never will be. I think we've talked about it before. We think someone like Antonio Conte or someone similar could definitely get a tune out of this group of players, but um no, it can't it can't possibly be that that joyful right now and and we have to bring up that uh and I guess this will lead into our discussion of the match, but I mean the last goal of Solskjaer's era is really scored by Donny van de Beek. Like the narrative is just off <laughs> the charts with this one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, the Sancho playing, playing in this game and actually the goal it it's was pretty good. Yeah. And the goal itself coming from a combination of Sancho Ronaldo obviously gets the header down, but yeah. the ball in is from Sancho header down from Ronaldo to, to Van de Beek to finish it off. And like the fact that two of the players who have been like the least favored during Solskjaer's era are, you know, were involved in the, the final goal scored in his, in, yeah, it, it, <laughs> that type of thing like is, yeah, it, it <laughs> can't write these things. You can't. And like, 
I guess I I guess my um and and we can just we can go into to discussing the match because obviously I think just to round out the the broad strokes of like my thinking around the decision is I think everybody knew that this was coming like you said the writing's been on the wall for a long time there's been this mild hope in I think UK media and and particularly like former United players where they're like he could start getting results and then it won't matter. And that just never came. Like they never turned that corner. Um, the tone definitely shifted among those former pros. I think over like after this result, um, there was a lot less like punch pulling than had been going on previously. And I think they kind of got, you know, I don't want to say that it's all orchestrated or whatever, but I, I do feel like the former pros got a little bit of a green light to like, Hey, the club is going this way. And, um, and so they distanced themselves from Ollie, the manager a little bit, um, in terms of applying some criticism and saying that, mm. that some of this is on his shoulders and stuff, which they previously had been a little bit, um, wary to do, but, um, the thing about the decision for me is the timing because the immediate point that got thrown out actually by Gary Neville on sky, like right after the decision was taken, or I guess earlier this morning when they were, you know, when they were previewing today's games, um, when they asked him about the decision, he's like, well, there are no, you know, as far as the next, appointment there's no ready-made world-class manager who's just available out there and (laughs) i like can't help but laugh because antonio conte literally was available like yeah two two weeks weeks ago ago. (laughs) like i mean you could have given him the international break to like bet in and this that yeah the the timing of everything just seems so suspect and and i mean yeah the the decision making is where i'm like drawing the line with with united the club because um this decision itself is fine but this decision knowing and seeing the trend over the last couple of months like we're no geniuses, right? Like, and, and the rest of the footballing world is not like, they don't have access to the advanced analytics or any of the, these, like these things that this huge footballing institution that Manchester United has access to like so much data and so much, like they could have done so much forecasting in terms of expected points and expected goals and expect like all of these things that they could forecast and say, Hmm, I don't think this is going to be good enough. Like all the models would have suggested, like this isn't going to get us where we want to go. So (laughs) them waiting till now and not having a ready-made plan for the replacement, like Tottenham went out and got Antonio Conte, you know, I guess second time's a charm or whatever. Thinking back to, you know, Liverpool sacked Brennan Rodgers, Klopp was already, like, the deal was done. By the time they took the decision to sack to sack Rodgers, Klopp was already in. 
And like, there's a lot of examples of that throughout, especially in the premier league, but you know, all over world football where you don't make that next decision until you've got a good solution in place. And the reality for United is that like, they've taken this decision now and are basically saying like, well, we're giving it to Carrick who was part of all these staff. <laughs> like they're, they're, I don't understand what they're expecting is going to change. Like, is there going to be this huge wholesale change when a guy who was involved in this mess up till now is now in charge? Like it doesn't, I don't know. It would <laughs> yeah, be like, no. be, to me, it's like being on the Titanic and just firing the captain. Like after you've already hit the iceberg, you're like, well, who's going to be the <laughs> captain? And it's like, well, that guy It's like, well, he was the first mate. Like when they, he was part of them hitting the iceberg. So I don't know. (laughs) No, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I guess maybe a tiny bit of mitigation, but either way, I still agree with you. I think it was the athletic that covered it. One of the Lori Whitwell or one of the uh, United beat writers who like weeks ago was like Carrick and Mike uh, McKenna, whatever his name is. Um, who they are much more involved on like the day-to-day training and the tactical aspects of United and Solskjaer is more of like the match day manager. So with that being said, I do wonder if there is going to be like a, maybe a little bit of a bounce because finally their tactics and the things they're actually working on are going to be like implemented by the same people. Right. Cause I think that article was talking about how Carrick and McKenna would work on things and they just not, come to pass on match days right so they're like what are we even doing here so maybe is that like a tiny green shoot of hope perhaps yeah but yeah no i i completely understand your 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 opinion there and that there needs to be some kind of plan and there is none right and you know um i think of the two like big I'll say three. So like Tottenham Hotspur, Arsenal and United, like I really think United with all their resource are still like the worst placed in terms of their trajectory right now. Yeah. Um, And that's when you have as much money as you do, as much talent as you do and you're up and down that roster, like that's just shocking. Yeah. Um, And, and, and teams continue to catch up to them too in, in the, on the money side of things. Um, Liverpool city have really closed the gap over the the past couple of years. So yeah, I mean, it's the right decision, but you can make the right decision at the wrong time or too late. Um, and I think that's what's happened here now. I don't know. Do you, do we think Conte just like rips his contract up and, uh, <laughs> it's up to <laughs> Manchester. Um, yeah, it's, they missed a trick with that one, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the interesting thing with giving a former player the interim tag, Michael Carrick is like extremely well regarded um, in even, you know, in non-traditional like media, a lot of people talk about Michael Carrick's time at Manchester United and what he did as a player. Um, I could easily see he picks up a few like key results and, they hand him a long-term contract. Like I, I could easily oh see God. them getting into the same situation. Um, and I all would, it will if take I were them. I'd hand him a contract to play in defensive midfield. <laughs> 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 well, that's the only contract I'd be giving him. 
<laughs> well, let's talk about let's talk about the result that ultimately led to this decision, or you know, seemingly precipitated Ollie's Ollie's demise. Watford four, Manchester United one at Vicarage Road, as you said. Um, where to begin with this one? Because I think like the the tagline of this match is that Watford <laughs> deserved this for sure. Like this doesn't flatter to deceive. No, they were they were really really good and and you, but at the same time United were really really bad. United's defending mm-hmm. was just abject, like all over the place. Players stood like statues. No one pressing on the ball. A lot of individual errors too. I mean the the, the clearance or whatever he's trying to do, Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. Uh, which ends up in, in you know a goal or a penalty or what I forget what it led to, but like penalty, just moments yeah. like that um, were happening all over the pitch. And again, Harry Maguire, complete joke. Uh, I, I I just again, if I'm a United fan, like I'd be just sick of looking at him because <laughs> he's just been so bad. Yeah. Um, David de Gea weirdly has been like somewhat respectable and we know that he struggled you know in recent seasons so mm-hmm. um and he even came out and said after the game we don't know what to do with the ball which is like you are at the pinnacle of the sport and you don't know what to do with the ball yeah as a team and he's the thing is is he's he's hit it on the head like they absolutely don't know what they want to do and i think we had the same conversation after the liverpool game where it's like yeah, I I've just never seen world class players look so like lost on a, mm-hmm. out on the field. Like normally, everything that's done is so decisive at that level and so like measured. Everybody's thinking like two steps ahead, and yeah, there is that's that. I mean, that's a great yeah. a great call because it just yeah, it feels like they just they don't yeah. really know what they want to do. Yeah, but I mean, shout out to all the ex-United players who showed out for Watford, like Cleverly <laughs> and King and, oh my God, Cathcart, I think. Jeez, um, yeah, and, and, and Watford were really good. Like, I don't want to overlook them. I thought they were really good. Yeah. Ismail Asar did really well to recover from two shocking penalties to, right. to score one. Um, I thought Kiko Feminio was really good. Um, a player that's been at Watford for some years now, I think came over from Alaves or something, but, you know, went down with them, came back up, was playing really well. Um, ben Foster is yet to keep a clean sheet though in the Premier League. So, you know, United <laughs> of course did get one through Van de Beek, but yeah. overall though, Watford were, were just dominant. And, you know, the, while, while United were really, really poor, it's not, that crazy to catch a body at Vickers Road because yeah. Watford were dominant in the championship at home. And um, I mean, I've seen Arsenal get blown away or, you know, beaten at least sure. at Watford and, and other good, good teams have, have gone there too and not gotten good results. So um, fair play to Watford. Yeah, that's, I mean, and while we're speaking of managers, um, it's, it's not, he hasn't, Turned up too many trees, I guess, since joining. But Ranieri, obviously his first match in charge was the the 5-0 against Liverpool at Vicarage Road, which, you know, not the greatest start to his tenure. But since then, he went to Goodison Park and beat Everton. He narrow 1-0 loss to Southampton. 
narrow one nil loss to Arsenal and beat United. So the signs seem like at least better for Watford in that, like they recovered from that drubbing by Liverpool and they've been decent, like since, since Ranieri's joined. Yeah, I mean, I think my initial reaction when they sacked Shisco Munoz was like, wow, that's harsh. Like, you're not even anywhere near the drop. But right. to be fair to them, like, they really didn't have, like, a defined way of playing. And I think uh, Ranieri's given them that at the very least. So, yeah, like you said, a couple narrow defeats. But the Arsenal one could have easily been a draw, to be honest. Um, you know, we nick it at the end. But, yeah, this, this is a statement victory definitely for Watford. And the the scenes at Vicarage Road when Watford are scoring goals, especially late on, I mean, they're well known from that famous like playoff semifinal <laughs> against Leicester ah, and all that stuff. Yeah. But the the scenes here, it, there there is a lot of wholesomeness um, in these late goals. João Pedro like bursts into tears when he scores the third, um, and Emmanuel Dennis scoring the fourth and shirt off and the uh the the sport um tracker sports bra or whatever off as well um so uh and 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 these slides metrics right (laughs) distance covered uh yeah won't count the knee slide i guess but um but no some wholesome scenes but unfortunately for united it it meant it meant only um got the sack and yeah, Michael Carrick in. Um, so the Carrick era begins with a Champions League game against Villarreal. Um, and then Chelsea in the league. So brutal. Welcome. <laughs> welcome back to yeah the top level, I guess. Um, gosh, yeah. It might be Villarreal, you know. You know, Villarreal have been meh in the league. So they have. We'll see. They have. Well, the biggest news, if it weren't for Oli getting sacked, we would have led with this, but we had the hardcore football derby <laughs> this weekend, Liverpool versus Arsenal. And um, Mika, obviously, it, it, it went Liverpool's way, but from an Arsenal perspective, like, how did you how did you feel about this game and the with it ending 4-0 to Liverpool? Man, I was going to let you go first so you could gloat, but I guess I'll we'll we'll do the bad stuff first, that's fine. <laughs> I'll <laughs> um, gloat after. <laughs> <laughs> um look, uh 4-0 is is always tough to take. I didn't think we were going to win to be honest. Like it's Anfield and we get destroyed at Anfield pretty regularly. I think it is a little bit shocking when you think about like some of the other teams that have gotten results at Anfield, like your Burnley's and your Brighton's and no disrespect to them. But, um, you know, at, at the same time, some of the greatest moments in our history have been at Anfield. Think of 1989. So, um, one day, one day it'll happen (laughs) again, but you know, yesterday was not that day. Overall, this match didn't really tell me anything that I don't already know about this Arsenal side. Uh, Arteta's Arsenal struggle to create chances. Um, They struggle against high press. Um, And and I think individually there were a lot of things that just didn't go right on the day. I think Thomas Partey was just not at the races. 
you know, really just invisible for a lot of it. Um, I think this was a an, a big ask for players like Albert Sambi Lakonga and and Nuno Tavares, who, you know, they they've shown flashes of of you know high level play, but you know, two young players, a young squad, the youngest squad, you know, on average in the league, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Brentford might be, you know, up there as well. But um, yeah, just mistakes, individual mistakes, and it's funny because four nil is always tough to take but at the same time i actually thought some of our better players were like at the back like i thought white and gabriel <laughs> and, and tomiyasu you know were yeah. okay aaron ramsdale like kept us in it for sure like it probably would have been a lot more embarrassing if he hadn't pulled off some really spectacular saves and um including in the first half because i thought arsenal were in it in the first half yeah. um even after the first goal was scored um it was very clear what the game plan was was just to you know defend well and, and try to hit on the counter and, and that's fine like i don't think that you can really come out against liverpool at anfield so um i i was fine with that but we really did fall apart in the second half and it just seems like you know when when liverpool get going and score a goal like the 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 crowd gets a little more into it and it just yeah. like starts to pile on and the the press was just way too much and Liverpool were were fantastic and there's there's levels between these clubs like I you know I don't think any Arsenal fans would be doing themselves any favors by being deluded about that um we're just at different stages you know Liverpool's been this team uh, with Klopp has been together you know you know closer to a decade and uh, <laughs> we you know are really just starting our rebuild to be fair so yeah. Um, it's disappointing, but I'm not going to, I really don't think there's a lot to really take from this other than like, there's a lot of the same issues. So we just just move on. Yeah. I think, I think honestly, like that's a completely like valid take, um, in terms of just, putting this sort of result into context. I think too, like Arsenal are a little unlucky in that they catch Liverpool off the back of two really disappointing results in the premier league. Like after they thrash, (laughs) after they thrash United, they got one point from, of six, like from six against, Mm -hmm. um, West Ham and, uh, Brighton. Yeah. So, disappointing like couple of games um not that neither of those teams like can can do damage on their day um but this liverpool side like trying to compete for the title and everything they obviously want every point that's out there so i think arsenal are a little unlucky in that basically what the message out of this would have been okay you've had the international break like we're gonna come out of the gates and like someone like we need to write the you know what's happened over the last couple of games so you saw very motivated versions of of a lot of these players. And I think in particular, the area that's been most suspect for Liverpool this season and the core of a lot of their issues in some of these games where they haven't gotten good results is the midfield. Mm -hmm. And in this game, Fabinho, Oxlade-Chamberlain, and Thiago were all brilliant, I thought. Um, Well, Fabinho was playing i mean that's another thing that i think people are like kind of <laughs> yeah. beating arsenal with that stick and it's like fabinho didn't play in those other games where liverpool dropped points and so right you know maybe a little bit of mitigation there but yeah yeah 
so I thought they were all brilliant and Oxley Chamberlain in, in particular, um, I don't know if it was just coming up against Arsenal and like former club, that sort of thing, like extra, extra motivation, but he was everywhere. Um, and he, he was pressing really well. Um, and I think it, him plus yeah, Fabinho's return. And then Tiago being in a midfield like that, where he's got a really active presser in Oxley Chamberlain, but he also has his cover in Fabinho. It allows him to like do his thing in midfield, which was distribute. And he was able to do that really well. Um, and then, yeah, the, the goals themselves, like less, um, they're almost more about, you know, I think the couple of them, it is like the first two are almost like they feel more like defensive in like the defense conceding them rather than like yeah. one's a set piece for Liverpool. And then, and then the Jota is, is off a mistake. So I still think, like you said, I mean, this is going to sound weird, but it almost gives the optimism slightly back to Arsenal in terms of like, Hey, we know that we have this area of weakness. And if this, like, if we stay away from that, like Liverpool, I, they create a couple of chances in the first half for sure. Um, but it's not like they were carving Arsenal open at, at nil, nil completely. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a complete one way traffic or anything like that. So um, so yeah, I think, and then I think this, you know, the next two goals come from Arsenal press, like now they're down two nil, they have to get back into it. Like the whole stay yeah. compact is kind of out the window. You've got to, you've got to right. try to get back in the game and, um, and they get caught out. And then the, the violence personally against Mika was, was Takumi Minamino <laughs> scoring the, <laughs> scoring the yeah, fourth. That was not called for. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like there were there were some pretty brilliant goals by by Liverpool. To be fair to them, and I, it's just one of those things. They just I'm looking to see how these young players respond. I think that's what's really important now because you went away, you went to Anfield, you got smashed. What are you going to do about that? Right, um, because yeah. past Arsenal sides would just let the rot seep in, sure. and I I'm hopeful maybe maybe it's a little bit maybe it's a little bit ignorant of me I don't know but I'm hopeful that that they'll turn this around and and try to find the positives and, and move on because these players don't have the that scar tissue of sure. like you know past defeats like this so um, yeah that's what it's about at this point um yeah. and, and i mean and and i said this last time too when liverpool lost to west ham like this is nowhere near the disaster that like liverpool twitter sure. extremists were like making it out to be like you will be fine like mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll be fine and love hold so arteta arteta probably could provide you know some some much needed perspective to to the players in that like even in his tenure at city, like they conceded four goals at Anfield before, like right with that city team. So in like much more like (laughs) important fixtures. So that should (laughs) happen. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I am, I am thinking that he can probably provide some, (laughs) some good perspective to the, to the lads, but, um, but no, it, it, it was 
I think needed for Liverpool in that they needed they needed a win. They needed to get back to winning ways. They're at home. So it was good from that perspective. But yeah, I I, I don't think it's anything totally catastrophic for, for Arsenal because um ultimately like the stretch goal for this season for Arsenal is Champions League qualification. Um even Europa League, honestly. So like top six. And that's the thing we're like fifth. Right. <laughs> after, like after this. So And that's what I mean. I mean is like you're sitting right on the edge of the top four. So it's one of those things where you just gotta yeah. I, I think <laughs> you gotta be happy with that, uh as an Arsenal fan at the moment. And certainly not, you know, in a couple yeah. of years if we're still talking like about fifth, mm-hmm. then sure. But um Right. But no, that that makes total sense. Well, speaking of Liverpool, Mika, we had uh, a former Liverpool legend make his managerial debut at Aston Villa. Steven Gerrard taking charge of his first match um, at Villa Park against Brighton. And I don't know how to sum up this result aside from, like, Stevie took... Scottish Premier League football and brought it south of the border. <laughs> okay, interesting. I think I know what you mean. Like two nil attacking and two nil win, eighty fourth and eighty ninth minute for the goals, and uh, only having thirty seven percent of the ball at home. But <laughs> they only allowed six shots from Brighton mm-hmm. the whole night, and only two on target even though they had 63% of the ball. So Stevie goes out and he nullified Brighton. Um, It took a little bit of a smash and grab late from Villa to, to snag the three points, but he did what he needed, I guess, to get Villa a win um, and, and start his tenure off on the right foot. And with a clean sheet. So, Nice, um, because I think uh, I mean Martinez and Co. have looked a little bit human this season. Yeah, it's a great start to life for for Steven Gerrard and his Villa debut. Obviously, um, there was just a lot of like deadly counterattacking football on display from Aston Villa. We know Brighton can be anemic in the attack, and and that showed in this one. Um, and and defensively, actually, they were kind of a little bit suspect as well because their their keeper was having to make quite a few saves and. I think it could have been a little bit more mm-hmm. um, of a cricket score, if you will, if he hadn't been there. Um, but yeah, and and there were some superb goals by Ollie Watkins, who I think he hits the brace. I mean, that first one, the the curler, beautiful, beautiful yeah. goal. Um, another player that stood out to me a lot, John McKinn, because uh, he's looked a little bit ordinary, mm-hmm. um, you know, to start the season, but on this day, he looked like a young Steven Gerrard. So <laughs> um, good on him. Cause I think he's a really talented player and um, he's, he's involved in, I think both the goals in some way, maybe not directly, but um, just, you know, really the, the heart of the midfield for Aston Villa and, and, and they look like they can maybe crack on from here. Uh, we'll have to see obviously, but you know, new manager bounce or, or a tactical match class. I'm not sure. Probably somewhere <laughs> in the middle, but um you know, it's as good a start as you can have, I think. Yeah, I think I think to getting Villa playing a four three three um mm. and getting away from 
the Grealish effect of trying to have a 10 or or this right. like floating playmaker sort of position that Grealish allowed. Like I think he right. gives, you know, he gives the ability to have a, a player like that. And instead they go four, three, three McGinn certainly looks more at home. Like, as you said, like looks, you know, looks like more set up for success in that, in that particular setup. Um, and then I like, I like Watkins being able to interchange with Danny Ings and Emmy Bundia, like mm-hmm. that being more of a front three versus a, uh, you know, two up top and, you know, sure. one behind whatever. I know it's like small margins to this stuff, but I do, I do think that everybody just seemed, even though, you know, s- Jared would have had a handful of training sessions or whatever, like to, to really like make this stick. Um, they come out like it was a well-organized and like professional performance. Um, and they really stifled Brighton who, and that is not an easy task as Liverpool can tell you. So, um, (laughs) so yeah, good result, um, for Steven Gerrard. And we'll see if he can, we'll see if he can make, make his impact stick at Villa. Um, who, uh, I think now sit 15th after that result, um, actually level on points with Brentford and just to, oh, well, and level with Watford. So, all right. So, yeah, um, going around, going around the league briefly, briefly here, um, Chelsea three, no win over Leicester who just look like increasingly pedestrian. Um, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that Leicester team is in for. I mean, maybe Brendan Rogers is already mentally at old Trafford. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the scenes, the narrative. <laughs> Let's see about that one. The whole league is just going to be managed by people who either used to manage or used to play at Liverpool. That's just going to be the the whole <laughs> league. <laughs> oh God. Um. Yeah, we've got. Uh, oh, then okay, we had the two results. These two results were just weird, and I wanted to touch on briefly because two like sweethearts of of the league thus far, Brentford and Crystal Palace played to three, three draws against teams that I would classify as villains. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Newcastle three, Brentford three, and then Burnley three, Crystal Palace three. (laughs) And we saw, we saw just, yeah, two villainous clubs drag back the, uh, the, uh, the protagonists of this season so far in in Crystal Palace and and uh Brentford but um Crystal Palace haven't lost in a month since Liverpool um and Christian Benteke is firing I mean to be fair there's a lot of draws in there but still yeah Crystal Palace to not be losing when people have kind of worried about their relegation chances over the past three four seasons is, is pretty good so yeah um yeah, and and like I said on Hardcore Football a few days ago, I think Burnley scoring three goals seems illegal, like somewhere. <laughs> I don't know, but at least Cornet scores one of them. So I'll I know they that. signed Maxwell Cornet, and they've turned him into an like just 
he's going crazy for them. So I think it was Rudy Garcia was trying to literally turn him into a left back, and now he and he was good there. Yeah, <laughs> now he's a striker. Like I make it make sense. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. Um, the elsewhere. Uh, Wolves beat West Ham 1-0, and that's a really good result for Wolves and a really good really goal for good. Raul Jimenez as well. Yeah, really nice for Raul to to bounce back after what was a difficult, I think, international break, to be fair, for yeah. him with Mexico. Um, and just been a difficult time for him in general coming back from that injury. Uh, and, and we know that Wolves are not really getting what they deserve as far as how they've been playing under Bruno Lodge. So to get to get one over the, you know, one of the hottest teams in the Premier League and in Europe right now in West Ham is, 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 you know, no small feat. Um, yeah, they just have to build on this now. Uh, new man at Norwich, Dean Smith gets a win in his first match, uh, as Norwich city manager two one over Southampton. <laughs> I think they're still doomed, but good for him. <laughs> I thought they, I, I mean, so that did happen. Okay. Cause I, I, thought that Frank Lampard was for sure going and that didn't happen, but okay. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Lampard got swerved at the last minute. Imagine getting swerved by Norwich, like just (sighs) prayers to this man. Yeah. (laughs) Wellness check on Frank Lampard. Um, (laughs) And then uh, earlier today, city city walked over Everton three nil. um, And uh, dog shit. Like, they, just awful. Yeah, they've been terrible. Agent Benitez is doing exactly what he was sent there to do. <laughs> they have not won <laughs> since the end of September against Norwich. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, Conte Spurs found a way against Leeds United. Um, the, the troubles continue for Bielsa's Leeds. Um, but yeah, 10 minute or I guess 11 minute quick fire double for, for Spurs was enough to see off leads. Yeah. I think leads are a little unlucky because they've got quite a few injuries, most notably to Patrick Bamford, who was, as we know, crucial to them last season, um, banging in the goals. So uh, I don't know. They're unlucky. Luke Ayling's also out. We know he's a big, big uh, player for the club. Um, but hey, I think this is Conte's first win. Is that right? In the league, yeah. Excellent. Okay, well, good for him. Um, I think he's still trying to find the formula. I think people need to give him time. I was seeing a lot of people like, oh, why is he picking Winks and this, that, and the third? Like, and Dombley should be playing. Guys, like, you know what this was. Like, this, yeah. the squad is not good. It's going to take a couple transfer windows. Um, yeah. So let Conte work, okay? Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he had very early Klopp vibes to him in that he was having like a right go at the crowd. Um, <laughs> and Klopp did this a lot in his, in the early part of his tenure, but engaging directly during games where he thought the crowd was not like pulling its weight. He would legitimately start screaming like into the main stand, like for people to get behind the team and all this stuff. Like he'd be like turning around and yelling at the bench. Conte was definitely doing that, like trying to get the crowd working. Um, and there was, you know, cause they got booed off at halftime. Like that was, that was like yeah, where Spurs yeah. were uh, mentally. 
Um, and uh, God. obviously he... Harry Kane scored like 20 goals against, you know, San Marino and stuff. So he needs to start turning up now. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think anyway. he literally scored seven goals over the international break, like four against San Marino and like a hat trick against Albania or something. I, yeah, I, something like it's that. Ridiculous. Someone anyway. needs to. Yeah, we've we've moved past <laughs> the need for Harry Kane, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So as we, um, as we look at the Premier League table, um. Chelsea, Chelsea are still doing it. Like they're still, they're still top. And by three points, uh, over city who are next, um, city with just a one point gap between them and Liverpool. And then West Ham two points behind Liverpool after that loss to wolves, Arsenal fifth on 20. So just three points behind West Ham and wolves up to sixth. So Bruno Laie has got, he it, it's working. Um, yeah. they're level with Tottenham. So, Wolves are wolves are doing the, doing the damn thing. Um, aside from that, at the bottom, Newcastle still well. Newcastle's bottom of the table now. Norwich has actually climbed above them. Um, Fucking hell! <laughs> and uh, and Burnley in 18th, despite their uh, their draw. Leeds sitting just outside the drop zone, um, two points above Burnley. And then Watford, Villa, Brentford, Southampton. So Leicester are actually in 12th. And Everton are eleventh, so the both of them are just ugh, terrible. <laughs> I think Everton a little bit worse, but yeah, yeah, no, it's been brutal. Well, that's that's the Premier League, Mika. We we saw plenty of exciting football in in the Premier League, but um, perhaps the best viewing of the weekend was in Italy, and particularly. In Milan, at the San Siro, Inter, Milan 3, Napoli 2. Um, I mean, what a game this was. Oh, just screamers, glossos, like all of it. <laughs> like, it, it was so good. And Serie A is so good. Like, I think I need to, like, officially start cheating on La Liga. Every time I watch La Liga, it's horrible. And then I <laughs> switch over to Serie A, and it's just, like, lit. <laughs> this was definitely the best game of the weekend that I saw. Yeah. Um, huge, huge three points for Inter, who needs to close the gap on, on Milan, who dropped points to Fiorentina um, for yeah. three in their own thriller. Crazy game um, So as this well. was... That was that was nuts as well, yeah. Um, so Inter really needed this. Um, Napoli's first loss of the season before today, they were the only remaining unbeaten team in the top five leagues in Europe. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting and very impressive. I don't know that – I think I've said this before. I don't know that we thought that Spalletti would be this good, but no. um, he has been. And actually, Napoli probably could have gotten a point out of this one. They had two chances at the end. Um, the Mario Rui header that – Somehow Handanovic, uh, you know, deflects over the bar. Yeah. Uh, there was another chance. It escapes me. I think it was uh, Merton skying a volley yeah. after Zembo and Gisa like got away from like five defenders. Yeah. So Napoli definitely had their chances to to at least grab a point, but Inter hung on. But yeah, the the story of this one though is just all the glossos. Like 
Zielinski's cracker for the opener. Chalanoglu's mm-hmm. penalty. Ridiculous. Which, like, when have you ever heard a penalty call, like, put in the same <laughs> in the same breath as, like, great I didn't goals? know penalties could be screamers. Yeah, <laughs> and, did. like, he scored. I've never seen someone hit a penalty in a place that is genuinely, I think, if a thousand goalkeepers tried to save it, they couldn't. It's unsavable. Like, it's he totally, hit it yeah. in a spot that is absolutely unsavable. Literally right inside uh, that that far post. Yeah. yeah. It was super. And the pace on it and the power was just amazing. Um, and then Mertens coming on after Nobly had to make quite a few changes. Uh, uh, you know, Victor Osman, unfortunately, was injured probably pretty severely. Yeah. Um, but he had his own screamer from outside the area, just letting the world know who the fuck he still is. <laughs> um, so uh, Dries still there doing the business for Napoli and probably will have to come in now and start yeah. because it did look like Victor Osman maybe uh, or- orbital socket injury of some sort. Yeah, or cheekbone. Flattered into Screeniar, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Osman goes up for a header and he's, he goes to to put more pace on the on the cross. He's you know flicking his head, and Skriniar's jumping for the ball as well. Totally, you know, no malice in in anything that happened. But um, as he goes to meet the ball, Skriniar gets there just ahead of him, and Osimhen ends up putting the full force of that header straight into the back of Skriniar's head. And, uh, and so it was, you could tell immediately when Osman went down holding like his eye, basically, um, that something was, was not, was like severely wrong. He was like, I mean, he yeah, was like, terrible. yeah, it was, it was bad. Um, and such a blow to Napoli because he's been in unbelievable form. He's been one of the best strikers in Europe. Um, it, you know, arguably the best striker in Europe, like among, you know, all of these big names. Um, and you could tell too, in this game that his injury did take the wind out of Napoli's sails, like pretty substantially. For sure. Because he's not just like a, you know, someone that roams the penalty box. Like he does get involved in other phases and wants to bring people into the play. And, um, Petania comes on and you know god bless him but he's nowhere near the level yeah um and you know like i said meritance comes on and tries to alleviate some of that that burden up top but yeah it wasn't the same and like you said ozaman's been fantastic and this will be a blow for nigeria as well who Mm -hmm. probably were going to be counting on him for afcon assuming the you know he's not back in time for that i hope you know we get some good news and it's not bad because yeah he's just a joy to watch like even if you don't support Napoli like he's fantastic viewing yeah. um and you know a big part of the reason why I wanted to watch this game today so it was just really really unfortunate um but you know hopefully that it'll make Napoli kind of rally around it and 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 continue on they've had a really great season thus far the reports and I'll I'll you know obviously um qualify this but the reports mm-hmm. as of a couple hours ago um, are that he's out at least a month. Um, but there, 
saying he had his test showed multiple displaced fractures of the left cheekbone and orbital bone. Fuck. So yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. As most expected. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How hard is Milan Schooner's head? Jesus. Yeah. Right. Like, and, (laughs) and the force that also was putting into that header, like it would have been completely unsavable if he had actually made, (laughs) made contact. So Gosh, yeah, that's too bad. No thoughts with thoughts for sure with Victor Osman because not only is he like was he do a big Afcon, but I mean we're probably thinking about him being a like big big target for like some of the top clubs in Europe. You know, not saying Napoli's not like he they could go on and win a Scudetto. I mean, unless you're Herving Lozano. Oh my god! Um, he had a pretty good game, though. He was trying to make it up for for that those comments. Yeah, he actually did. He actually did play uh, play quite well. Um, but on the Inter side, um, Perisic gets gets a goal. That near post header that just caught caught everybody out. I think. Um, I thought at first that it went in straight from the corner, which I was like, okay how is this gonna work <laughs> olympical but yeah it's uh it does cross the line and and ospina is nowhere near it because he's like getting like he's grappling with bastoni i think it was so yeah. uh you know unlucky like <laughs> yeah this game just had everything in terms of the types of goals that we saw um yeah. and and lautaro martinez is uh joaquin correa takes the ball from the edge of his own area, dribbles all the way up the pitch, pretty much unchallenged. Everyone's backing off, backing off, backing off, lays it off to Lautaro. And you think the angle is going to be too wide, n- not for him. Uh, and that's yeah. that, another superb goal for, for Inter. So they were just really, really clinical. Um, and yeah, they're just like I said, huge three points for them because they need to, to catch up. Yeah, in terms of the impact on the title race, and we'll get on to the other results elsewhere, um, but Napoli um, still top on 32, but now level with AC Milan um, and Inter climb up to 28 points, so just four behind those two. So this match really did, in many ways, reignite or maybe re-enter Inter as a serious contender in this title race. Yeah, for sure. I think it'll be the three of them, and and unless Juve somehow turn it all the way around, but they're like what seventh or something, eighth like, right now. Eighth? Le- level oh with Fiorentina and Lazio on twenty one points. Wow. Okay. Then. With a plus three goal difference. <laughs> Juventus. <laughs> just wild but you love to see it (laughs) 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 well taking a taking a stroll around the rest of the league because this was as as we were hinting at i guess like by far not the only um significant result of the weekend but um going quickly atalanta got a 5-2 win over spezia which you know not not that it would have been um unexpected for atalanta to win but Ladea really hitting their stride in the league. It feels, um, I know we talked about this a little last week. This is the sort of game that we expected from Atalanta, like early in the season. And now they're giving these more consistent like wins and, and actually now have, um, 
have three three wins out of five and haven't lost in quite some time now. So um, so maybe Atalanta feeling a little bit more uh, reminiscent of the last few seasons. Um, Juve do get this is actually a really big win two nil over Lazio, um, and so yeah. that is that is significant uh, away, but it is by virtue of two Leonardo Bonucci penalties. <laughs> I don't, I didn't see this one, but I'd no, be interested to see what the uh, officiating was like, but Hey, <laughs> good for Bonucci, I suppose. Um, the big result that you referenced earlier, Fiorentina four, AC Milan three. And, um, this is significant, obviously, for the fact that um, that Fiorentina take points off a title contender, and Milan actually could have gone top given the result in Nop- you know, with with Napoli um, the following day. Milan actually could have been top of the table by three points, but instead got pinned back by Fiorentina. And is are we now in? Dushan Vlahovic, uh, like hype train territory because this guy is scoring like crazy. Yeah. So last season when he scored a whole bunch, I was kind of hesitant because I didn't want it to be another, um, Oh, what's the Polish striker's name who plays for Hertha Berlin now that everyone was like wild about. And I was like, this is like the purplest of patches. Oh, um, um Piontek. Yeah, Piontek. Yeah, 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 I was like, I don't know if this is another Piontek, but I, <laughs> I don't think so. I think this guy's legit because um, he's continuing to do it. Uh, 10 goals, 2 assists in 13 matches. Um, just incredible, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, Serbia, also doing the business for Serbia. Serbia have qualified for the World Cup. Um, so, I mean, he's just riding high right now and just putting putting teams to the sword. Um he will go for a mad fee. <laughs> like, yeah. Just once the market normalizes a little bit. And I really hope that he does for, for Fiorentina's sake. Cause um, uh, they deserve <laughs> to, to get a lot out of this, out of this guy that they, you know, came up through their U19s and, and all that. So yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's incredible. I'm on high train for sure. Him and, and El Cholito, uh, Giovanni Simeone also <laughs> scoring a lot of goals too. So if you like goals, watch Serie A because that's that's where it's at right now. Yeah, it he's he's been he's been going crazy. Um, and yeah, at 21 years old, um, he is he is going to be one of the hottest commodities on the on the market. Um, Facts. Yeah, and if he, I mean ahead of the world cup. Like if he doesn't get a big move this summer, um, the world cup will probably be the, <laughs> and then what? you get world cup inflation. If he gets world cup Why? inflation, he's going to Madrid. And that's like, <laughs> <laughs> they are the, they just buy every big world cup name. That's I guess if they have, we the have money. another Serbian striker who is not doing so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he might warn him off it i don't know um (laughs) but yeah four three and two goals for for vlahovic which i mean 
um, yeah, just continuing a, a crazy, crazy return. Um, Sassuolo and Cagliari drew 2-2. Sampdoria beat Salernitana 2-0. Um, Venezia beat Bologna 1-0. And I know that in isolation, this, ma- this match is like not that significant. Um, but I think Venezia, like we may have been a little premature i think both of us kind of collectively wrote venezia off at the beginning of the season as like it will be fun to have them in Serie A, and good luck but like mm-hmm. they're probably not hanging around it seems like they've at least landed in a they found a formula to get results um and okareke gets another goal for them in a one gets one. another goal for them. Gianluca Busio is continuing to play well for them. Um, yeah, I mean the the three two against Roma, and then this this Bologna result. Nothing, you know, nothing to overlook. Certainly, um, and I want Venezia to stay up because we need more of this drip for next season. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, and plus plus they're just like a fun fun club, like a fun stadium. Um, just a nice addition to Serie A, uh, but. They have internets who are going to be buoyed by that result over Napoli. Um, so, you know, there might be a a chin check <laughs> just as things <laughs> were looking up. Um the last the last big or I guess not the last, but but the the other big result from the weekend was Roma to Genoa one or zero, sorry. And Genoa, it was the first match under Andrei Shevchenko uh, since he took over. And we, we spoke about that appointment a little bit. Um, that was overshadowed by a brace from Felix Afenagian, uh, who is a, an 18 year old in, in Roma's system um, comes off the bench in this one scores two goals. Uh, hasn't made a, like he's made three Serie A appearances for a total of 46 minutes <laughs> or sorry, 92 See? minutes played um, made the most of it in this one and, and gets two goals to, to win it for, for Roma in a game where being totally honest, like Genoa were pretty poor um, in terms of they didn't create anything, Um, but Roma were still struggling and it took a a goal in the 82nd minute and and the 94th from the youngster to, to fire Roma to the three points. Yeah. What a way to announce yourself to, to the Romanisti. He's, Apparently a known quantity in, in their academy. He scored six in five for the U-19s uh, in 2021. So, I mean, not bad. Um, I had never heard of him, to be fair. But um, he is Ghanaian, so maybe maybe he'll be turning heads for, for AFCON. Uh, but it's really interesting to see a youth, like a youth uh, prospect save Mourinho because... 
that's not very Mourinho esque. <laughs> <laughs> so um, here's hoping he gets more chances. Obviously, you don't want to just like throw kids right into the deep end because they, you know, come up with, you know, two goals or whatever. But um, yeah, this is it's been better for Roma, especially defensively. I think Roger Ibanez has looked better. Vertu, Mikitarian starting to to you know come into a little bit of form as well. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's it's looking better for Roma. They did leave it late, but sometimes you got to win dirty and right now they're fifth. So not bad. Yeah. That's what I think a lot of the, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of catastrophizing around Mourinho's reign recently, but they are still fifth domestically. So it's not the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. Um, at, uh, there are still two um, matches to be played out. Verona, Empoli, and Torino Udinese uh, are both tomorrow um, for this to round out this match day. But in terms of in terms of the table, um, you know, at the bottom, Salernitana and Cagliari are down there um, in in twentieth and nineteenth. Um, Genoa still in the drop zone at eighteen and two points from Spezia in seventeenth. Sampdoria and Udinese and Torino still in that conversation towards towards the bottom, but Venezia up to thirteenth um, and level on points with Sassuolo. So um, yeah, all things considered, a pretty decent run for um, for Venezia. And uh, as we said, Juve Juve eighth um, at the moment. So. Um, Imagine them missing out on Champions League. Like it's still extremely early, but <laughs> my word, my oh my. Um, well, uh, that brings us to the end of Serie A. Mika, we'll uh, I think we'll take a quick break and then be back for um, maybe a little Bundesliga, La Liga chat. Yes, cool. Sounds good. Welcome back to Hardcore Football. Mika, jump into Germany real quick. We had a return from the international break, and we're thinking Augsburg versus Bayern. It is a little bit of a Bavarian Bavarian matchup there, um, but Augsburg towards the bottom of the table, probably not going to put up any sort of threat or fight to Bayern and they shocked us back into the international break with a two, one win over the, the champions elect. Yeah. I think this lifted them out of the relegation zone. Um, I don't think Augsburg Augsburg have beaten Bayern in the league in like, Oh, six, seven years, something like that. I mean, the it's heavily weighted in Bayern's favor, this fixture, um, but good on them. Um, Lewandowski, of course, gets his goal, but it uh, wasn't enough. I think Pedersen and Hahn, former Gladbach, shout out mm-hmm. to Andre Hahn, former Gladbach striker, also scores. Um, and, you know, you might think this is a one-off, and I can certainly understand anyone who, who sees this and goes, okay, it's just like a weird one, and they move on. But, I mean, there's a lot of, like, controversy around Byron right now because of the vaccine issues with uh, Kimmich and Nabri and, all, and a bunch of other players, Musial, I think. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't exactly remember. There's like a handful of them that are not vaccinated and now they're going to start um, withholding pay. <laughs> so Byron is not fucking around with all this, but we'll see like <laughs> what transpires because that definitely does seem like 
a distractor for Bayern Munich right now. And I wonder if that had something to do with this. Yeah, no, it, it, it does feel like it might, might play a part. And it was interesting in the way that the news was, I mean, Bayern was clearly trying to keep it all very much in house and keep it kind of under wraps in terms of like which players, cause they talked about these five players that were unvaccinated, but they, they weren't releasing any names, obviously, you know, cause it, mm-hmm. I'm sure Germany has similar, you know, protected health information sort of, um, sure. laws, but it was really close hold, like who those players were. And now that the names have kind of leaked, it feels like Bayern is kind of putting pressure or more like, more pressure anyways on those individuals uh, to <laughs> and now with the yeah as you said withholding pay um, certainly plays a part um, it, it, that dynamic in this team which had been pretty much like just firing on all cylinders they really didn't didn't slip up all that much and recently the results have been a little bit more a little bit more mixed um, and uh on Augsburg's side, obviously 2-1 and, you know, they were dominated. Uh, Bayern had a ton of the ball, more of, way more of the chances. Um, but Augsburg's goals, um, both really well taken and, and well constructed. Um, so, yeah, I, Again, wholesome scenes in Augsburg as they as they celebrated those goals in front of their home fans also. Yeah, definitely at the WWK Arena, I think it's called. Yep. Um, yeah, for sure. Really, really nice scenes for them. Hopefully they can crack on from here because they've, they've been in the Bundesliga for quite a bit now. Um, uh, so I think this is the first time that they're like really, truly threatened at the moment, but um, yeah, great result for them. 21% of the ball and yet 2-1 <laughs> victory. Incredible. Um, the rest of the Bundesliga played out like relatively um, as expected. Um, the dramatics, a, a 2-2 draw for Armenia Bielefeld against Wolfsburg. I, I felt bad uh, for Armenia in this one because they jump out to a 2-0 lead. But Florian Kofelt has found a way to take Wolfsburg from being this like steady, low scoring, solid team to now they're just chaotic. <laughs> now they're chaotic, but and they're in a in a decent vein of form, but they do face Dortmund next. Mm. Who Dortmund are only a point behind Bayern. So Maybe the Bundesliga is finally like hotting up a little bit. We need to like stop sleeping on it because, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Bayern Vols- or Dortmund Wolfsburg should be a good one. Um, and you know you're gonna feel sorry for Bielefeld even more because they face Bayern next. So, oh yeah. Um, they'll they'll be going into the bus saw. Bayern will be wanting to write the write the ship after the Augsburg shocker. So. Uh, Hoffenheim got a two 0 win over RB Leipzig and. Um two nil was kind uh as a score line to Leipzig, who they got absolutely battered <laughs> in this game. Um and yeah. it's kind of weird because Leipzig was was looking like 
they were sort of like back on some solid ground, but now they've in their last league games, they, you know, when they beat Dortmund, everyone's thinking like they're bouncing back and then they go back out and, and just get absolutely trounced by Hoffenheim. It's just a very up and down season for them. And they, they score a lot of goals. I mean, 23 goal, you know, plus 10 goal differential, um, you know, one of the better uh, plus, you know, plus minus uh, differentials, if you will, but it's just been very up and down for, for Jesse Marsh's side. I think the over-reliance on Christopher Nkunku is something that um, probably needs to be talked about or addressed because he's the top scorer, the top assister. Um, I think more of the, the attacking impetus needs to be spread around that team because I think there are players in there that probably are not playing um, all the way up to their level. I think uh, Dominic Soboslai probably could o- offer a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does have three goals uh, and, and three assists, so it's not like he's you know been a bomb or anything, but like you know, people need to help out in Kunku a little bit. <laughs> um, Andre Silva, Yusuf Paulson, like all these players need to, to chip in a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, like I think we've said earlier in the season, it was always going to be like a transition season for Leipzig, having lost some big pieces. Uh, Inupa Meccano and, and uh, Sabitzer, so to Bayern. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, they're still seven, so it's not like a disaster. They're, you know, they've, they've two two points more and they're in the European places again. So, yeah. Um, you know, and, and Union are fifth, and I'm wondering if that lasts. <laughs> um, so we'll see. It's still, you know, early days, I think, in the league. Uh, Leverkusen beat Bochum 1-0. Uh, Gladbach beat Greutherfer, uh, 4-0. Good. Yeah. Good win for the Foles. Really nice. Yeah. It looks like it's coming together a little bit under, under Adi Kuter, So I'm, I'm pleased. Uh, Dortmund pulled out a win against Stuttgart and, um, I'll use this as a chance to talk, to talk a question that we got, um, ahead of this recording. Um, Dortmund Dortmund beat Stuttgart 2-1 uh Daniel Malin and Marco Royce the goal scorers for Dortmund uh either side of a Roberto Massimo um equalizer but this this particular result um saw Stuttgart drop into the the relegation playoff place um in 16th and it sparked a question um from at Rene in El Paso um he asked, did Stuttgart and Leeds overachieve last season or are they underachieving this season? And then the follow-up part to that was, did you think, uh, or do you think Matarazzo is in danger of being sacked um, for Stuttgart if they if he can't turn it around? Um, so I guess the first question, Mika, Stuttgart and Leeds mirroring each other in that they were up, you know, in the upper half of the table last year, performing well, high flying, all these things, and both find themselves in kind of trouble this year under the same manager. Do you think it's a case of them, of of them regressing to the mean or is the, have they just really started rough? So in Leeds United's case, I think that um, there are a couple of reasons why I think they flew out of the blocks in the Premier League last season one, the way that they play, of course, that that high intensity, high press. I don't think anyone was really like ready for it from a side like them, probably thinking that they were going to just try and play it safe and try to survive. 
Uh, so they caught a lot of teams out that way um, on top of being very um, physically dominant and just the stamina of that Marcelo Bielsa side was something to behold. Now this season, I think they've just, again, been unlucky, especially with the injuries. I mean, you really can't overstate like how big a – or understate, excuse me, how big a, a, a miss – uh, Patrick Bamford is to that side because he's not only their goal scorer, but he is the press leader and, and all that kind of thing. And Rafinha is doing, you know, his best to, uh, to, to be, you know, the man in his stead. Um, yeah. but you know, I think you would rather have Patrick Bamford there. Um, Calvin Phillips been in and out with injuries, Luke Ailing, like there's just a lot going on at Leeds that I think is just kind of unlucky. Um, in Stuttgart's case, I mean, this is, to me, this is more of like a long-term-ish project. Like Stuttgart, I think what they're trying to do is not be a yo-yo club. Um, and, you know, they've gone out and really put together a really interesting project uh, with a lot of young players. Um, you know, the, the backroom staff at Stuttgart is really impressive. Um, and I think that, I don't know, I think maybe if... if any of the if one of these two overachieved last season, it's probably Stuttgart. I don't see yeah. Pellegrino Matarazzo being in immediate danger right now because he can easily climb out of the relegation zone and into mid table with like a couple of results. Um, because it's it's pretty tight <laughs> from like you know, ascent, yeah. I mean, essentially, seventh down, honestly, is not that big mm-hmm. of a, a spread right now because we're only you know 12 match days in. Um, I, I haven't seen anything about that either, about him possibly getting getting the axe. So, um, yeah, I think I think if anyone uh, overperformed, it might have been Stuttgart. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that answers the question, Renee. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, and just to just to pin on to that, I think it it would be um, we'd be remiss to not mention. So speaking of injury things for Stuttgart, we were discussing before about, about Kalijas, Kalijas, wow, struggling here. (laughs) Kalijas, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to, anyways, Sasha Kalijas, Kalijas, (laughs) Kalijas. We got, got there. It. Anyways, Sasha Kalizic <laughs> and uh, Silas Mvumpa, who some may know mm-hmm. as Tuka, um, both have had significant injuries this year. And in fact, Kalizic has only played one. He's only played 17 minutes and he was and he was injured. Um, and then uh, Mvumpa hasn't played at all um, this season. So both. um yeah, missing through injury and uh that I think has those are I mean basically they're two top scorers from last season. Um right. So yeah, it's that's brutal um for the team to face, I think has to be has to be factored in, unfortunately. Um and hopefully they're they're back to full strength here soon. It does seem it does seem like Kalidzic uh injury is ending shortly and we may see him in the mm. new year. Um, but as far as I'm Vumpa, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, so that'll be, that'll be one we'll need to, to keep an eye on, but yeah, thanks Renee for the question. Um, and, uh, and rounding out, 
rounding out the Bundesliga results. Uh, Union, who you mentioned, uh, beat Hertha in a, in a Berlin Derby two nil. Um, and, uh, Taiwo Iwoni is slowly becoming like a very potent goal scorer. Um, Christopher Trimble gets the other one for Union at the, um, Forster eye. Is that? Yeah. At the Forster eye, um, in Berlin. So, um, good result for Union. Goals. My God. Is he still a Liverpool property? I don't know that. I think, Hmm. That is a good question. Let me consult transfer marked. <laughs> or was he sold sold? Cause he's, he's a great player. Nigeria just like overflowing with striking <laughs> options. Like, can you run like a five front? Like, a... <laughs> <laughs> like how do you fit this many strikers into, um, no. Yeah. It was made permanent this past summer. Um, ah, okay. Yep. So he, he is a union player. Um, and yeah, enjoying life there for sure. Um, great goal return. And I think he's enjoying being the man. Um, never made a Liverpool appearance, right? That I can, no, I don't think so. He was, he was a, as, as we were talking about, um, Gian at, at Roma, like I want, he was always like next man up. Um, if, if that makes sense, like it was like, oh, we have this striker in the Academy and he's going to be something. Um, but he just never, he never really, I guess like the formula just wasn't there, um, for him to be that guy. And I think ultimately the type of striker that he is like almost precluded him from Klopp's plans just because, just because Mm. he's, he's looking for something so specific, um, in his sure. in his front three, so, um, but yeah, good win for Union, and in in another needed win, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, got a win at Freiburg, who have been flying, um, and that win brought Eintracht up to eleventh and level on points with Köln because they were like in the doldrums, and now they've they've won a couple on the bounce and kind of settled some nerves around the club a little bit. Stop. Uh, Mines and cold drew. So uh, standings wise, as you said, Bayern at the top of the table, Dortmund second um, by one point Freiburg third, um, but five points back at Dortmund and then Leverkusen behind them. Union up to fifth uh, Wolfsburg sixth. So um, at the bottom Furt Armenia, I think, it, it's unfortunate. Greutherford, um, just still just a sol- single solitary point. Um, they've been, they've been brutal. Um, Armenia look, look a little rough. And then Stuttgart in that, in that relegation playoff place, just below Augsburg who, who jumped out of those places with the win over Bayern. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be watching the Bundesliga closely cause things might <laughs> be about to get messy with this title race. Um, but, mm-hmm. Over to La Liga, Mika, and the main the main attraction here, despite a weekend of like kind of meh <laughs> games, uh, <laughs> yeah. the the main attraction here was a Barcelona derby. Uh, Barcelona won Espanol nil in Xavi's first 
uh, appearance or first uh, match in charge as Barcelona manager. Yeah, a win is always a good way to start, and a clean sheet is just a boost on top of that. Um, I don't think you can draw any sweeping conclusions from this match. I think actually there's some polemica, as it's called, because this penalty that leads to the uh, Memphis Depay uh, goal is probably not a penalty. Um, <laughs> Leandro Cabrera, uh, you know, he does make quite a robust challenge, but he does get the ball. Uh, VAR, I think, did look at it and said it was fine, <laughs> that it was a penalty still. Uh, I don't think it was a penalty. Um, and this is the thing about La Liga that I think really is shame is the officiating. Um, but you know what? It's it it's come to it it's over. They they won. Um if the <laughs> still has to put it away. Uh so a decent start to life under Chavi. I just thought it was really interesting that uh there was actually a lot of time wasting. Like yeah. <laughs> Chavi's side was doing a lot of time wasting. Um and I don't know that I expected that. <laughs> yeah. But um time wasting and a lot of kids a lot of kids up and down this lineup. So Yeah. Yeah, that was that was definitely what stuck out for me just in the selection. I think Ilias uh, uh, Akomash um, was mm-hmm. was probably the sh- the shock in terms of like we've seen, um, and maybe Nico Gonzalez as well. But between between the rest of them, you know, Gavi Mengeza, like we know these are like known quantities at Barca. Um, Ilias was one where I was like. Hold on, who? Who are you? Yeah, like, um, and uh, it seems it, it seems like he's really committed to you know if if the impact of the of the Xavi era at Barca is an increased like depth of of looking at the kids like not in the Cumin way of I'm about to be fired and need to buy myself some goodwill, <laughs> um but in the like building around La Masia and just like reemphasizing the youth and everything, that's just, uh, you know, if that's his impact, then, then that's already a, a positive on Barca's behalf. But I think unfortunately for Xavi, he's going to be facing. It's going to be enforced using kids to an extent and using the Academy because Barca is broke as fuck. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean he's he's already had been dealt like a blow by the fact that Sergio Aguero apparently is going to be forced to retire. Yeah, devastating uh, due news. To, yeah, due to heart issues. Obviously, he. What a way to like. I'm trying to see the bright side in this, and what a way to like end it is like scoring your debut goal in El Clasico. Right. <laughs> like, I really think that he had more to offer. Yeah. Uh, and that's that really sucks, but um, you know, on the flip side of that, they've signed Dani Alves. Like, I just what is happening <laughs> at at Camp No? I and don't they gave know. him the number eight, and they gave him the number eight, which is awful. <laughs> um, but uh, I I, I hope that it'll just benefit Sergio Dest, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So yeah, off to winning ways in a in a local derby uh, for for Chavi. So yeah, uh, any it's anyone's guess where it goes from here. Um, but it's interesting to see the youngsters he brought through the team. Um, yeah. 
elsewhere in La Liga, just briefly, Levante and Athletic Club drew nil-nil. Uh, Celta Vigo and Villarreal drew 1-1. Sevilla and Alaves drew 2-2. So a lot of draws. Atletico uh, Madrid beat Osasuna 1-0. Um, Hitafe beat Cadiz uh, 4-0. 4-1 win for Real Madrid over Granada. Um, Real Betis, nice little... Nice little win over Elche, 3-0. And they really, this was like, they blitzed them, really, for three goals and just kind of saw it out from there. Yeah, I really, really needed this after not scoring in three straight matches, uh, including, you know, that terrible Derby loss against Sevilla. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And they've got Levante next, so hopefully it continues. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Real Sociedad and Valencia played uh, what you described as a, a terroristic <laughs> match Ex- extremist tactics. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Valencia are so like they defend really well as a unit, but they just don't have any, at least away from Mastaya. They just don't look like they're interested in scoring. They look like they're interested in not losing. And it's just really awful to watch. I think Real Sociedad did try to win the game. Um, and you know, they, I'm sure they did cause they could have gone back top of La Liga, um, with a win. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, just such a dull game, like prayers to anyone that watched this as well, cause it was <laughs> bad. I watched most of it and, uh, yeah, just not great. By virtue of the win Madrid, Real Madrid back top, uh, La Real in second Sevilla, in third at Letty fourth Betis up to fifth. Um, and they, they leapfrog Barcelona, even though Barca have a game in hand. Um, but they're four points clear Barcelona and, uh, and Rio Vallecano level level with, with Barca. So, um, at the other end of the table, it's Levante propping things up and then Levante Hitafe and Elche, um, with Granada floating just outside by, one goal of goal difference um, just outside of the drop zone. But, but yeah, La Liga league wise, still extremely interesting this weekend of results, not that interesting. <laughs> um, and, no. and the, some of the football on display this season has not been, not been easy on the eye <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, um, Jumping to France and and uh, as we as we get ready to close this thing out, Mika, the um, PSG three one win over Nantes, and it feels a little bit uh, routine in that like this PSG side in the league don't really have to be that good um, to get the results they need, um, but this was remarkable in that in the eighty seventh minute. Lionel Messi scored his first league one goal. Finally, finally, <laughs> finally. And it was a beauty. Um, dribbles inside, left-footed curler, beautiful goal. Um, and he had a lot of chances in this game, to be fair to him. You almost thought, like, oh, man, it's going to be one of those days again where it's just not going to happen. And Alban Lafont was, you know, playing very well, all things considered, uh, and denying the the goat over and over and over. But he finally <laughs> did get his way with like one of the harder chances that he had, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that'll be a big weight off his back. Uh, and and PSG are good for the the three nil victory. I think Kellen Navas, yeah, he got sent off in this one um, for 
a ludicrous challenge on Ludovic Bla. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it, you know, didn't really change the outcome at all. Um, so yeah, PSG keep on being mediocre and that's good enough because they've got just far and away the better squad um, over their, their league on rivals. Yeah, it was uh <laughs> ludicrous is a good way to describe the Kaylor Navas challenge. Like I do not know what he's doing. Um, <laughs> Losing his mind. This is, this is how you can tell someone's just come back from a CONCACAF international break. <laughs> <laughs> The CONCACAF energy. (laughs) He's on the edge of his area, just jumping, just leaping into the air um, for no reason. Uh, It was nuts. But yeah, Mbappe and that, I mean, it was one nil for 81 minutes. Like this was, or, or one nil for 76 minutes and then not equalized. And then, you know, PSG pull it out in the 81st and 87th with the goals. But yeah, just there's just something about this PSG team that they feel a little bit like Madrid, if that makes sense, where like they're doing what they need to do, but there's something that just feels off about the way that they're doing it. And like, it doesn't feel like they can keep doing this. It's ugly. Yeah. It's ugly and like not convincing. Yeah. And yeah, probably not sustainable. And it just feels like it shouldn't be that way. Like when you look at the team sheet, you're like, it doesn't have to be like this. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have to be like this with you guys. Like 10 points clear at the top of the table. No. Yeah. I, I, I totally I totally get what you mean. I mean, they've that's got a, like, and that's the thing. I feel like I'm like, you know, whatever like champagne problem. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I'm shitting on this team. That's, do get exposed in Europe. So yeah. we'll see, which that's what, that's what PSG's focused on at the moment. But, right. um, but we shall see. Yeah. Um, elsewhere in league. And unfortunately the big news story was the, probably the marquee matchup of the weekend. Um, Marseille versus Lyon in, in Lyon, in Lyon. Um, it was poised. Well, nice, nice matchup between two big rivals and two of the most successful clubs in France. And unfortunately marred, uh, and eventually called off, um, due to a fan, uh, striking Dimitri Payet with a, with a water bottle in the face. This is just ridiculous. I was really looking forward to this match. Um, yeah, um, I, I came across a tweet that I thought was really interesting from at Football for All. Three out of seven of Marseille's away matches in Ligue 1 this season have seen at least one of their players struck by projectiles by opposition fans. So Marseille are like going on this like violence tour around France. <laughs> like it feels like everywhere they go. I mean, we had that game at Nice uh, in in August. I think it was that was abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, when to be fair, Marseille kind of like threw projectiles back at the crowd <laughs> um, and fans stormed the pitch. I think Nice um, actually got docked points for that game. Actually, they, they yeah, and Pai was banned. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was Valentin Rangier. 
um, getting hit by a bottle in the opener at Montpellier and that actually busted his lip open. Yep. Um, it's there's there's just it's just a mess like this is and it's not just Marseille either I mean I think of the Derby du Nord, uh, Lens mm-hmm. and Lille was a mess as well like I don't know what's going on in France or what can be done about it I mean like you know, obviously you're gonna have to ban some of these people and find out who they are and what you know yeah it's I don't know if there's like if this is you know because football often is a reflection of like other parts of life and is like there's like maybe there's like some political turmoil in france i don't know about that's like (laughs) like spilling over at the football but like it it feels like every weekend there is some kind of shocking incident of violence in in ligon and it's a shame because these games have the potential to be really enthralling um, for the football. Yeah. Um, and especially in Marseille's case, it really annoys me because I feel like we're not getting to like see this really interesting team as often as we would like. I mean, tonight in this game, it was suspended for like two hours before they finally called it off. Yeah. Um, and we're just being denied uh, a chance to, to watch really good football in league on a lot of times this season. And it's just a shame. I don't know what the answer is, but it's, bizarre like i can't remember a time like this where it was like consistently this violent right well and that's the thing like i think i think it's just it was it was so strange like the feeling that i got because i can remember watching nice marseille and having that like oh shit like something is happening like this is crazy and like you have that moment where it actually kind of like catches you and you are like shocked by it you know the my reaction to when Pye Pye first gets hit by the projectiles which was before he actually gets hit by the water bottle he gets hit by some or there's stuff being thrown at him and he walks away from the flag the corner flag and the referee like brings the players together and they start like having this discussion about I guess like whether they're gonna what they're gonna do about the game and when they first started throwing the projectiles, I'm think I literally was thinking to myself, like, well, yeah, I mean, we we pretty much knew that this was gonna happen, like, um, which is crazy. Like, that should not be my reaction should not be, oh yeah, it's you know, it's a legal in game, like, of course. Yeah, that shouldn't be the reaction. It shouldn't be like, oh, shit, here we go again type thing. Like, (laughs) Exactly. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, yeah, it was um, like 10 minutes into the game, basically, which the game started with a decent pace. And to be fair, like, obviously, I know that this, you know, that this occasion is in the end marred by, you know, a handful of fans doing dumb shit um the atmosphere in the ground was actually really good (laughs) which was it's just so frustrating yeah that's like the tension too right is like grounds in france are like lit but like where's the line right between like fantastic like intimidating atmosphere and violence like and that there is a line like you know (laughs) what i mean like there is one that should not be crossed and it's just yeah it's a shame. Like I really want to watch Liga and like be like into it and not, I don't know. It's, they need to figure it out. I don't know what the answer is, but 
Yeah, people smarter than me need to figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah, I was uh, trying to see if there was any plans for the, the next steps, but it doesn't look like they've actually come up with, like, when the game is going to be replayed or anything like that. Um, the... And League of Legends is going to end in, like, July at this rate. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was also some claims, um, I guess, according to uh, the French League, um, that in the referee's report, Pyatt said that there were also, like, discriminatory comments made towards him um, by the Lyon fans. So um, adding... Jesus. a racist element on top of the violence. So yeah, um, we're wow. yeah. Lee league and struggling, um, at the moment. Um, but looking briefly, briefly around the results, uh, around the rest of the league, Monaco and Lille actually played a really good game, um, on Friday two two, um, and Monaco, I think, yeah, the, a late, uh, with some bed and Yetter goal, 83rd minute equalizer. And they were down to 10 at that point. So um, good, good for Monaco to come back um, and nullify a Jonathan David brace. Cause Jonathan David is just absolutely flying at the moment. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, good for Canada, right? They're, they're <laughs> getting a little big for their britches lately. <laughs> but <laughs> When you've got Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David, I, I, I suppose that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh Sarene uh got a two 0 win over Montpellier and I was interested in this specifically for did Gaetan Labor score against his former club and he didn't, so Oh <laughs> I don't think the universe would allow him to score against Montpellier. Um it's just not allowed. Um Rene also I mean, they went crazy. They had thirty shots in this game, so Playing, yeah, Stavon and they are playing really good football. And I, I love to see it because, you know, when you sell a wonder kid like, a, a, you know, Eduardo Camavinga, you kind of wonder sometimes if that's like the end of a, a, a cycle, if you will. And yeah. apparently not their third, so that's nice. Um, speaking of teams that are like unexpectedly up the table, um, Lance got their asses handed to them by Stavrestois. Um, 4 0 uh, in. Um, in Briss and yeah, like Lance were second. Um, they're down to fifth now. Um, and they got absolutely clobbered in this one. <laughs> They've been really good this season. So that that's just like a freak result that they just need to move on from. Uh, Strasbourg and Rams uh, drew one, one, uh, Angers got a one, no win over Lorient. Uh, three three draw between Mace and Bordeaux, Saint Etienne, and Claude Puel, who has survived somehow survived the beginning of this insane season, got a one 0 win against Troyes, and they've won now two on the spin and haven't lost in four, um, and they're only now one point from safety. Lestefanois, there you go. Wow. <laughs> Did you know, so they are hosting PSG, I believe, next weekend. 
um, you know, building on the the violence that we were talking about earlier, <laughs> PSG fans will be banned from uh, Saint Etienne Stadium for that game. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a punishment to Saint Etienne as well because of some things that have happened at the Jaffa right. Guichard. But um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um. Elsewhere, Nice uh, got a late brace from Amin Guiri uh, to turn around and win at at Clermont um, in a game where Nice were quite poor, <laughs> and uh, and they they found a way right at the death. Um, the double from Guiri wins it for them, and uh, and it does. Take them up to second, um, Nice. Not that that probably matters because it is still an eleven point gap at the top. Um, but Gaultier has <laughs> positioned himself as the contender to PSG once again. He's just the best. I love him. <laughs> um, and that uh, that rounds out the results for Ligue 1 and. We'll see when that Lyon and Marseille game gets played. Uh, but Miko, with with all of that being said, um, that brings us to our our sounds of the season playlist. So each uh, each episode, we add two songs um, to a Spotify playlist that you can find by searching "Sounds of the Season" on Spotify. This is season two. Um, you can find season one on there as well. Um, but Mika. Track wise, what have you got for additions this week? Yeah, so <clears throat> my first track is a song called Ephemeral Addictions by a band called Bed Light for Blue Eyes. Um, this is a band like they've been broken up for like years now, but like <laughs> anyone from Jersey who was in the scene like knows this band, they're from they're Jersey Boys. Um, and this song is about uh, a relationship going sour and you know i think it fits sacking season and the solshar uh <laughs> solshar era coming to an end um and it's it's a really good song um the other song i picked is logan circle by the wonder years so completely different genre um i mean this is a song that's very self-aware like the narrator is very self-aware about like the situation that he finds himself in but it's also a song about hope yeah. and so that's kind of my my shout out to Arsenal because you know we know where we are. It's it's a work in progress. Like, but I have hope. So, Logan Circle by by the Wonder Years kind of encapsulates that. Um, <laughs> what about you, Phil? What do you got? Um, I have uh, first. I have a song by a band called Volumes. Uh, I know they've been on here before at some point, but they just put out yeah. a new album called happier. And I use the title track. Um, and that's happier with a question mark. <laughs> um, which I feel is very fitting in sacking season. Um, because there's a lot of uncertainty, happier? like happier. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I won't go through all the lyrics or anything like that, but look, just look at the lyrics of happier and you can apply it to your managerial, uh, you know, situation of choice. Um, 
<laughs> nice. Um, and then uh, the second track is um, by a band called The Home Team, which, which Bika, I, I, I know I just like, was texting you about, about this band. Um, so good. They're so good. Their song right through me. Um, I, uh, I picked this one. Well, for a couple of reasons, but at one point, um, <laughs> at one point in the song, like I'm trying to think of exactly how it's, how it's worded. Um, because, well, one, like this band as, as you, uh, found is, almost R and B in the way that like this guy's voice is like, it's very groovy, very just like, (laughs) yeah, the vibes are immaculate. Um, (laughs) but, (laughs) but yeah, they talk about, uh, he talks about at one point being on one and that just resonated with me. Love it. <laughs> yeah, he said, what the hell do I do now? I'm not driving till it's lights out. Try to stop me now. I'm fucking on one. Like <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So, um yeah, I think I think there's a few teams that are are feeling that are feeling that vibe. Like try to stop me now. Um but there's there's plenty going on um uh, in in the league for the the more uh the bed light for blue eyes, like that's just that's such a throwback. For sure, right? I feel like God. they get mentioned in like every brand new documentary or whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're so good. Yeah. Well, that about does it for us. Um, as we said at the top of the show, you can find us on any major podcast platform. Uh, just search Hardcore Football. Um, rate review like subscribe whatever the platform allows um and and follow along get every episode and you can follow us on twitter at hxc football um shoot us questions you can um see our our takes and memory on there as well um and uh yeah hopefully everyone has has a good week um and there's tons more tons more football to come so um until then we'll uh Yeah, have a good week and we'll see you later.